We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. It's WTVN, Pinellas Park. See, pride is what gets in the way of God using us in a great way. God doesn't share his glory with anyone else. Never, at any time, and that includes his servants. And if you and I want to share glory with the Lord, he'll put us on the shelf. And we need to learn the lesson of humility. Have you ever sat in on a church testimony service and heard someone tell how many people they had witnessed to during the past week? Or how they had served the Lord? Perhaps they need to learn the lessons on humility that Elijah had to learn. He felt he was the only one left in all of Israel who had not bowed to Baal. God had to tell him otherwise and give him extended lessons on just how small he was and how great the Lord was. That is the topic of today's verse-by-verse Bible study with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Welcome to the class. It's great to have you join us again. If you are a new listener, we have some valuable resources available that can be of use to you in your daily walk with Jesus Christ. At the end of this study, I'll tell you how you can obtain them free of charge. Verse by Verse is a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve Kreloff teaches the Word of God one verse at a time, comparing Scripture with Scripture. That's why this radio Bible class is called Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve has been pastor at Lakeside for over 30 years. The chapel is non-denominational and based solidly on God's Word. Today's study is the middle of a three-part message entitled, The Graduate School at Zarephath, a look at the Old Testament prophet, Elijah. Now, here's Pastor Steve to lead our class in The Lesson on Humility. Widow was, was poor. She was destitute. In fact, built into the Law of Moses in Exodus chapter 22 and Deuteronomy 27, The law of Moses specifically said, don't take advantage of a widow or an orphan or an alien. God protected widows. Widows were poor and they needed to be protected. They were poor. They were needy. They were not to be oppressed in any way. There there were not rich widows running around Israel or Sidon. God told Elijah, Go there and she's going to provide for you. I'm going to provide through her. That would have been different if God said, you go there and you provide for her. But he didn't. He said, she'll provide for you. And why do you suppose God commanded Elijah to do something as difficult as this? Remember, he had to risk his life. He had to go to Jezebel's home, live in the midst of Baal worship, and be provided for by a poor Gentile widow. Not only was it a widow, it was a Gentile widow. Elijah is zealous for the Lord God of Israel. And here's a Gentile widow who's going to take care of him. Why? Let me give you three reasons. Number one, and I think, and I think this is true throughout Elijah's being hid and being, and being crushed and being, uh, in the school of God was for God's judgment 
on Israel. We said this before, but I think it's the same thing again. Because of their unbelief, God wasn't ministering to them. He was silent. Not only was Elijah isolated in the first school, but now he's taken completely out of Israel. And I want you to see that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he came to his own town of Nazareth, used this very story to make a point. If you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 4. And isn't it exciting to know that the Lord Jesus read these stories, knew them, spoke about them, the same truths that we're, we're reading and studying today. Luke chapter 4 says he came to Nazareth. They gave him the scroll from Isaiah. He read part of that. And he said, this day, this word of God is fulfilled. But you know what? It was met with unbelief. You know what they were really saying in verse, uh, verse 22? And all who were, were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, no doubt you'll quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. In other words, they were speaking well of him, probably very proud that he could get up. You know, he's one of our boys. He's come home and he's reading the scroll from Isaiah. But unbelief was there. All they could see was that he was just a hometown boy. Unbelief. And Jesus said in verse 25, but I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months when a great famine came over all the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And what is the Lord saying? He's simply saying that, that your unbelief is just like the unbelief back in Israel. Israel wouldn't accept Elijah as a prophet from God, and neither are you accepting me for who I am. And God's going to bypass you just like he bypassed Israel. And he sent Elijah to a Gentile widow, not a Jewish widow. And so you see, it's God's judgment. And that's what Jesus was really saying. There's another reason God sends Elijah to Zarephath, and that was for his own protection. You say, wait a minute. He's in, he's in Jezebel's home place. How is that protection? Well, uh, I think that that's the last place they would look for him. I think it's a great place to hide him. Last place they're going to look for Elijah is right in Baal headquarters. But I think there's another reason, and I think this is the heart of it, why God sent Elijah to Zarephath, and that was to teach him humility. Teach him humility. This is a lesson in humility. Think of how humbling this had to be to Elijah to receive charity from a Gentile widow. To be dependent upon the poorest of the poor, to accept relief from one who didn't even have enough to meet her own needs, let alone his needs. You know why God did this? Because Elijah needed to be humbled. He needed to be humbled. Here was a rugged and a rustic mountain man, an individual who would have taken on Ahab and all the prophets of Baal and Jezebel single-handed. But God says, Elijah, you need a lesson to learn who you really are and who I am. You need to know that you're not a big shot. You need to know that, that when these great victories come and you stand on Mount Carmel and you call down fire from heaven and I do all these miracles through you, you need to remember that it's not you, it's me. You're nothing. 
I'm everything, and I'm going to show you how small you really are. I'm going to crush you. I'm going to refine you. You know, each of us needs to learn humility like Elijah did. If you're going to have an effective public ministry, you need to learn in private. Great lesson of humility. So what is humility? Well, it doesn't mean having a poor self-image. It doesn't mean having a low self-esteem. It's that lowly attitude of mind which sees self as nothing but a channel through which God operates. See, it's, a, it's an attitude. It's a lowliness of mind which sees self as nothing but a channel through which God operates. And all effective servants have humility. That's why you can't base a person's success in, in ministering just on the externals, on numbers, on other things. Because, because unless there's humility there, God's not going to bless internally. The Apostle Paul, when he met with the elders from Ephesus, he said, I was with you in all humility and with all tears I served the Lord. All humility. Even the great Apostle Paul, that's why he was so great. He also said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, when the Corinthians were making a big fuss over Paul and Apollos and Peter, he said, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? Just servants through which the Lord works. We're just servants. Nobody's special. We're low. He's great. See, pride is what gets in the way of God using us in a great way. God doesn't share his glory with anyone else. Never, at any time, and that includes his servants. And if you and I want to share glory with the Lord, he'll put us on the shelf. And we need to learn the lesson of humility. Some of us are going through very difficult circumstances that are designed by God to do one thing, and that's to break us of our pride. Period. Break us of our pride. God doesn't want us to have self-confidence. God wants us to have Christ-confidence. God doesn't want us to be self-sufficient. He wants us to see our sufficiency is in him alone. And sometimes, as in the case of Elijah, God tells us to do something that is so humbling because he wants us to, to stop being hung up on ourselves. He wants to teach us how we're really nothing. And I, I have found that so true in my ministry. And over the years, in fact, I haven't had just one lesson of humility. I've had a whole course on humility. And God still has to do it and break me and break me and break me. And I'm sure that's true in your case as well. You see, we all have the tendency to boast about our own accomplishments. You know, look how many souls I won. See how many, uh, how, how much I've done for the Lord. Look what I did. Look at the ministry that I have built. Look at this Bible study. Isn't it fantastic? Or just pat me right on the back. You see, we all have that. We may not verbally say that, but it's, it's in our hearts. It's in our attitudes. And God didn't want Elijah going around saying, I'm the guy who slew all those prophets. You know, I'm the new hero in Israel. God says, when he sees that attitude, he says, I'll show you how, how big you really are. I'll show you how frail you really are. I'll show you how weak you really are. I'll show you how needy you are. And I'll crush you and I'll break you and I'll show you how dependent you are upon me. And you see, it's his heart of love that's doing it. Not because God wants to, is a cosmic killjoy, but because he's a loving God and this is for your own good. God breaks us of that pride. In the case of Elijah, he humbled him through a poor, destitute widow. If you're going through a lesson in humility, don't fight it. Don't fight it. Because you'll only be fighting against the Lord. Give in 
and let the Lord Jesus teach you how much you need him and how you can do nothing in terms of, of any kind of spiritual accomplishment apart from Christ. See, we have to learn how weak we are before we really have a public, effective ministry. Why? Because if you don't learn who you really are and who the Lord is, then your ministry is going to focus on yourself. In subtle ways, it'll be centered around you rather than Christ. And the Apostle Paul said, we don't preach ourselves, we preach Christ and ourselves, your servants, for his sake. He's the master. We're the servants. And if you don't learn that in private, you'll never have an effective ministry in public. Elijah's message had to be the Lord God of Israel is alive, not how great Elijah is. We need to learn that we're nothing. We're nothing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And I'm reminded of the young missionary who said to a veteran missionary, he said, oh, pray for me that I might be nothing. And the veteran missionary looked at him and said, you are nothing. Take it by faith. See, that's the attitude. That's the right perspective. Elijah needed, needed humility before Mount Carmel. God gave it to him. God gave him that lesson. Don't fight the Lord. Elijah did it. He obeyed. It went against his grain, but he did it. And he obeyed. And look what, look what he found, verses 10 through 12. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he, he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. You say, awfully pushy. Well, let's see what happens. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat, eat it and die. Now, I don't believe this, this widow, there's no indication in the story that the widow understood who he was, and I, uh, I, I don't think she understood she was to meet Elijah here and do all this. Elijah's testing. Elijah's seeing how open and responsive she is. And first he says, would you get me a little water? Yes, she'd be willing to do that. Would you, would you get me some bread? Well, she's willing to do it, but she just can't do it, she says. There's a willingness there. And I believe that God was confirming in Elijah's heart, this is the one. This is the one. There are not many Gentile widows in Sidon who would give a Jewish prophet a drink of water. This is the one. So Elijah's not really being pushy. He's testing to see if she's the right one. And she was. Now, she wasn't opposed to feeding him. But the problem was that she just had enough food for one last meal for herself and her son. And then she was going to go in. They were going to eat the food. They were going to die. Starvation. Now, think how you would have responded in a situation like this. I try to put myself in Elijah's place. You've just walked 100 miles through the wilderness. Your lips are dried, you're parched, they're cracked. You're craving for a drink. You're hungry. You're tired. You spent months by a brook with only ravens. And now you've, you've just met the widow who God said is going to help you. And you find out she's so poor she can't even help herself. She can't even buy wood from the dealers in town. Instead, she's at the edge of the city searching for a few scraps of wood or twigs to make fire for her last meal. She's ready to, to cook her last meal, go in and die. Now, 
If I were Elijah, I would have said, Lord, are you sure this is the place? Maybe, maybe you pushed the wrong button. This can't be the place. Most of us would have responded by being depressed, being gloomy. Maybe even angry at the Lord, questioning God's sovereignty in, in your life. But not Elijah. This man was special. He learned his lesson well back, back at the brook. Now we move from humility. Now we move into the lesson on faith. See, now Elijah is faced with a situation in which he must either choose to believe God or believe the circumstances. And this is all part of God's training. So we move from humility to the lesson on faith. Look at verse 13 and 14. Now, I, really, I would have responded by probably being depressed, but not Elijah. He said in verse 13, then Elijah said to her, don't fear, go, do as you've said, but make me a little bread cake from it first. And bring it out to me, and afterwards you may make one for yourself and for your son. You say, well, isn't he selfish? No, no, he's not. Because God says he's going to take care of him. And look at verse 14. For thus says the Lord God of Israel. This is why you're to do it, woman. This is what he's saying. The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. The prophet spoke with such boldness because he believed the word of God. Listen, Elijah didn't look at the circumstances like I would have. Elijah didn't look at the circumstances around him. He trusted God's promise that he would sustain him. God said, I'm going to provide for you by a poor widow. And Elijah, in essence, is saying, I believe the word of the Lord in spite of what things look like. And the problem with so many of us is that we walk by sight and not by faith. See, Elijah's got to learn this. You don't stand in the midst of, of hundreds of false prophets without knowing that the word of God is true. And you believe the word of God. And that's what we need if we're to have a, a public, effective ministry. See, we're not to go through life just reacting to our environment. That's what so many of us do. We react to our environment, environment rather than depending on the word of God. Of God. If we're around nervous people, we get nervous. We react to that. We're around critical people, we get critical. We're around fearful people, we get fearful. We're just being influenced by our environment, but not Elijah. He was in the company of a fearful, panic stricken woman. Elijah was not the prettiest sight, you must understand. His lips were probably cracked. He was called, he'll be called in chapter 18, uh, a hairy man. Uh, maybe it was chapter 19, a hairy man. He was a unique-looking individual. Must have been fearful to this woman. Also, she's got a little boy. He needs to eat. She needs to eat. She was afraid. And Elijah says, don't be afraid. Why? Why wasn't Elijah afraid? Because his faith was in the word of God, not circumstances. See, this is how God prepares us for that unique ministry he has for us. He puts us in situations where we have to make a choice between believing his word or believing what we see. And this is how faith is developed, through a series of, of challenges and choices. It's, it's just a matter of making the right choices. See, faith is a growing thing. And God puts us in a variety of circumstances to develop that faith. And once you, once you have a lesson here, he gives you another one here, another one here. Elijah had by the brook. Every day I had to trust God to bring in the food by the ravens and that the brook would, would flow with water. 
He's learned one lesson there, but now it becomes a little more difficult. A starving widow. And God does that with you and he does that with me. The, the, the lessons become a little more difficult. Faith becomes a, a little more difficult. God doesn't set you out in a hard test to begin with. Just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. It says, walk by faith, walk by faith. And the deeper you go with the Lord, the deeper the tests become and the lessons become. How does that apply to us? You know, there are some of you who are discouraged concerning your ministry. You're involved in, in a ministry. God's put something on your heart in accord with his word. And all you can see is the circumstances. You need to go back to that time where the Lord really put that on your heart. You need to remember his direction. You need to remember that still, small voice of God as he, as he impressed upon your spirit what he wanted you to do, and then you just do it, regardless of how bad things look, regardless of how discouraged the circumstances might get you. You need to, re, you need to remember that you focus on, on Christ, on his word, and not on circumstances. Circumstances will absolutely depress you. They will absolutely defeat you. But this is how God teaches us to trust his word. And I thank God for the difficulties that I've had in my ministry. Short ministry, but uh, filled with difficulties. And I'm sure that's true of anyone in the past trip. But I thank God for that because they've helped me to rely on his word rather than circumstances. And I, I remember in the very early days of my ministry really getting rattled by circumstances. Uh, occasionally that still happens. But I see and I'm encouraged that it doesn't happen as much. Because I'm learning to trust the word of God and not what I see or what I don't see. See, otherwise you'll be constantly discouraged by sight. Faith looks at God who controls everything, not the circumstances. And when you believe God's word, what do you do? You act upon it. You act upon it. And that's what Elijah did. He said, don't panic. Make me some bread first and make some for you and your son. And she listened to him. She must have known that the word of God was, was here. She, she must have either been a believer or close to being a believer in the Lord God of Israel, even in, even in the center of Baal worship. Verses 15 and 16. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Dr. J. Vernon McGee in his commentary on First King says this, he says, you know, Elijah and that widow woman stuck their heads down in the empty flower barrel every day and sang the doxology. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. One day the music stopped. The singing stops. The singing stopped one day in their life. Things were going along just wonderful. And then it happened. God gave Elijah a test. It's a test, I'm sure, for the woman as well, but I think primarily for Elijah. Test to see if he had learned his lessons of humility and his lesson of faith. Well, we might call this Elijah's final exam. Final exams are useful tools to find out just how much students have learned over a period of time. We may not like to take them, but they are very necessary if we are to move on in our upward walk through life with Jesus Christ. As we pass each exam, our faith in the Lord Jesus grows and we learn that he is absolutely reliable and will take care of us as he promised. We are so glad you joined the class for today's study. Our prayer is that you will grow in your Christian life and become a servant that the Lord can use more and more. If we can be of any help to you along these lines, 
please don't hesitate to call or email us. The phone number is 727-239-0306. Our email address is contact at versebyverseradio.org. Our website is versebyverseradio.org. You can download today's study there or any of the hundreds of messages available to you free of charge. You may order a single CD or cassette with the entire message on it when you call or write. Today's study is from the message Graduate School at Zarephath. The entire series of eight messages on Elijah can also be yours. Ask for the series on Elijah from 1 Kings 17. You may also write us and request the materials. Our mailing address is Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Our phone number once again is 727-239-0306. If the Lord lays a burden on your heart to help support this ministry financially, we would be very grateful to hear from you. Contributions can be made by phone, on the website, or by mail. All donations are tax deductible. May the Lord richly bless you. For Pastor Steve and the Verse by Verse staff, this is Jerry Pruden. Join us next time on Verse by Verse. We are here to give you strength between...